We're talking about waiver wire targets for week 14. Stick around the whole way through because Dave Kluge and I are going to talk about 22 players that can be valuable for you, not only this week, but for all of the fantasy football playoffs. I'm Alfredo Brown. And if you're listening on Apple Podcasts right now, we got a giveaway for you guys, you loyal listeners. And we're giving away a full-sized NFL football autograph by Javante Williams. All you have to do, leave a five-star review on Apple Podcasts. Send that screenshot to me on Twitter at the GM, and you're entered to win. It is that simple. All right, Dave. So we're going to take a look at some of the, well, I guess, NFL starting quarterbacks that are out on your waiver wire in your fantasy leagues. And we're going to put these guys in order. These are not going to be the players that we're doing the deep dive on here for this episode, but there's some pretty good NFL starting caliber players out there that may be able to fill in for your fantasy squad. So let's take a look at some of these guys, Mike white of the New York jets, Jared Goff of the Detroit lions, Tyler Huntley for the Ravens and Sam Darnold for the Carolina Panthers. It's weird to drop some of these names like Goff and Darnold and white, and, you know, uh, especially since a lot of them are not you know dealing with injury. Uh, but Baker Mayfield's been waived by the Panthers. And so now all of these guys, all four of them actually become legitimate fantasy football viable quarterbacks, question mark, Dave. So if you have to, if you have to put these four quarterbacks in order, what's the order you're going with? Man, it's really tough. I feel like I'm splitting hairs between uh, Mike White and Jared Goff because they're kind of similar quarterbacks. You know, they're just pocket quarterbacks that you know you're not going to get a ton of rushing upside from surrounded by great playmakers. So I like both of these guys. And we're talking super flex two QB uh, leagues here. I mean, you might get desperate enough where you got to start one of these guys on a weekly basis. But I like Mike White and Jared Goff as kind of high end QB twos going forward. After that, I really like Tyler Huntley. I mean, we saw him ball out last year. It's kind of hard to tell the difference between him and Lamar Jackson once these guys get moving on the field. But I don't know how serious Lamar Jackson's injury is going to be. If he's only missing a week or two, you know, that's not nearly as beneficial as uh, what you're getting from Mike White or Jared Goff, who project to finish out the season. And then we've got Sam Darnold in this list. Alfredo, please don't make me rank Sam Darnold as a fantasy quarterback. I would take Brock Purdy over Sam Darnold. No, I don't think that there's any chance that I'm starting him in a fantasy lineup. I'm sorry. You know what? I'm not as low on Sam Darnold, so I've got him third. I've got Mike White, number one, because he's going to throw the ball 50-plus times a game with those receiving weapons. And yeah, I'm going to take Mike White. Plus, the schedule for for the Jets quarterback is pretty good for the rest of the season here, fantasy-wise. Jared Goff, I think, has just kind of been that perfect middle-of-the-road starter as a guy that can just spot start for you in, in a good matchup, like he did this past week against Jacksonville. And then I actually have Sam Darnold ahead of Tyler Huntley. And it's just, it's a couple of reasons. Like I know that we were really excited about Tyler Huntley about how well he did last year, but you go back and look at it and it wasn't, you know, consistently top 12 kind of production. He had games where he didn't throw a touchdown where he did throw interceptions. And uh, like you mentioned, we don't know the severity of the Lamar Jackson injury. If I knew for sure, Tyler Huntley for the next three, four weeks, then cool. Tyler Huntley goes a lot higher and he might be one or two on this list. But the fact that he might just be a one week rental, we don't know that leaves Darnold a little bit higher for me. I think that I know it's, it's weird to say, but we're not that far removed from when Sam Darnold was like a top 10 quarterback at one point in fantasy last year. I know so much of it was rushing, but Sam Darnold got a rushing touchdown his first week again as the starter here. So I'm, I'm not willing to count him out just yet. But either way, I think those guys are more of like the desperation plays. If you have Mike White out on your waiver wire, go and grab him because I think that he makes a pretty good spot start for you at the quarterback spot. But we mentioned a little bit of news here, Dave. Baker Mayfield waived by the Carolina Panthers. And this is interesting because a lot of people, I mean, I haven't seen a single fantasy analyst that has not suggested Baker Mayfield to the San Francisco 49ers. So 
if for any reason here, Baker Mayfield is claimed by the 49ers. One, is that a good move? And two, how does he change the landscape for you in San Francisco? You know, I've heard a lot of people talk about it. I mean, even Ian Rappaport went out and pointed this out. Everybody is talking about it. It just seems like a match made in heaven after Jimmy Garoppolo was injured. But I just don't think that Baker Mayfield is really the quarterback that fits into that offense. You know, they want somebody that can make those easy throws. And that's where Baker struggles. I mean, he's got a bazooka for an arm. He's mobile. He can extend plays. But that doesn't really lend to a lot of uh, production here in San Francisco. They want that guy that can stand tall find the open receiver that gets schemed open on every individual play. And I don't have any faith in Baker doing that. So I don't think that they even kick the tires on Baker Mayfield. I'd be, you know, it, it would surprise me less if Philip Rivers came out of retirement than it would <laughs> if they signed Baker Mayfield. Yeah, I've, I've been hearing all kinds of crazy theories that like they should talk to the Colts about waving Matt Ryan to get Matt Ryan back with Shanahan in San Francisco. James Winston. <laughs> yeah right like there's like all, all these things like if just you know teams just like yeah sure i'll just give you a quarterback but I, i'm actually with you dave like i don't think that baker mayfield improves the team a whole lot i think that what the niners are going to thrive with is a guy that's you know very similar to jimmy garoppolo a guy that can kind of stay on schedule with what they're doing they want more geno smith and less uh russ wilson the guy who's actually going to do what's scripted and i think that we're starting to see that more and more when a team has a good system they just want the quarterback that's going to stick with that system and can we just imagine how awful it would be for Christian McCaffrey? Like he finally thinks that he is oh. free of Baker Mayfield. I couldn't even imagine the look that would be on his face if Baker came walking through that locker room door. And he's just right back. Oh my gosh. And that would, that would drive me insane as a Christian McCaffrey manager for fantasy. That would just absolutely obliterate my team. I would hate that so much. Baker couldn't support DJ Moore. I don't think he's going to be able to support Christian McCaffrey, Debo Samuel, Brandon Ayuk, and George Kittle. Yeah, not not a fan of that. Thanks, Dave. Thanks for putting that out into the ether. <laughs> All right, let's take a look at some of the handcuff running backs that are out there because this is handcuff season. Like this is when you need to have the handcuff for your running back. For those of you who are not familiar with the term handcuff, which I'm pretty sure 99% of our audience is, but it's just ensuring that you have the backup in, uh, for in NFL on the real NFL team for your running back. For example, if you have Dalvin Cook, you'd want to have Alexander Madison. You have Derrick Henry. You'd like to have Dontrell Hilliard. So, Dave, I bring up these players to ask you to rank these four handcuff running backs that are likely out there in waivers for people. Taking a look at Dontrell Hilliard, Alexander Madison, Melvin Gordon, and Jordan Mason of the San Francisco 49ers. So we're talking about pure contingency upside, I believe, because if we had to rank these guys on standalone value, I do prefer Hilliard. You know, he's been getting involved in the past game and he's looked really good recently. But as we saw last year, if something happens to Derrick Henry, they're going to split that workload up a little bit among some other guys. Um, so we might see Julius Chestnut or Hassan Haskins get involved because of that. I do have Madison ahead of Dalvin Cook. And the only reason Madison, yeah, he stumbled in the end zone last week, but he's not getting enough touches to really elicit um, any sort of consideration in your fantasy lineup. But if Dalvin Cook goes down, Alexander Madison is almost a one-to-one -one replacement for Dalvin Cook. He's going to step right in there. He is going to see a ton of volume on a very good offense. So I like Madison more than the rest just because of the contingent upside. Right behind him, though, I do have Hilliard as a close second. And like I mentioned, he actually has some standalone value. So I think right now, looking at the landscape as is, I do prefer Hilliard ever so slightly because of that pass-catching work. And then we're looking at Melvin Gordon and Jordan Mason, and this one was kind of tough for me because I'm splitting hairs between these two. Again, Melvin Gordon has that contingent upside, um, probably not quite as high as Jordan Mason's because 
let's just face it, the Denver Broncos aren't that good of an offense, and San Francisco is, but Gordon has a little bit of standalone value as well right now. I'm going to give the slight edge to Melvin Gordon here just because we've seen him do it over years, and uh, oh my gosh, I completely forgot Melvin Gordon got traded. Didn't he? <laughs> yes. I completely forgot. Yeah. Where's Melvin Gordon playing? Melvin Gordon's, on the, Melvin Gordon's on the Kansas City Chiefs. Oh my gosh. This is quality right here. This is quality. I thought he was on the Broncos. And as I was talking, I was like, nope, nope. nope." Nobody knows where Melvin Gordon is. Yeah, Melvin Gordon has no standalone value. (laughs) I mean, this is going to be Isaiah (laughs) Pacheco, Jarek McKinnon. I would expect Ronald Jones to be the handcuff over Melvin Gordon. So, uh, yeah, I take back what I said here. Melvin (laughs) Gordon is bottom of the list here because I expect Ronald Jones to get touches if there is any sort of injury to Isaiah Pacheco. So that means Jordan Mason's my number three guy. That's fine. Dude, Melvin Gordon doesn't even know what team he's on this week. Like, it's just, I, I'm with you, actually. So, Alexander Madison, number one, because I think that, like you said, these are all contingency-based players, right? It's, it's it's They're a handcuff. They're called that for a reason, right? It's when the other player, you know, goes down with injury, which you never hope for. But Alexander Madison's got to be number one right there. Also, because it's just a better offense, too. Dontrell Hilliard is second because the, the Tennessee Titans are a run-first team. They do have a really good fantasy schedule remaining for the running back position, but yeah, I'm still going to go with Alexander Madison over him. Then I'm going Jordan Mason at three and then Melvin Gordon all the way at the end. I think that a lot of people panicked this last week with Isaiah Pacheco. I saw Isaiah Pacheco in a lot of trades going to other teams. People freaking out. Dave, you talked about it on your on your on your show on the launch pad with with the guys from Yahoo. And does, does Melvin Gordon scare anyone? Like, I don't think so. It shouldn't. But I think it did last week. Yeah, absolutely. And, you know, I had in my head, I thought Melvin Gordon was such a good fit for the Baltimore Ravens that I had kind of convinced myself that that's where he was playing. Now, I forgot that he was on the Chiefs, but I don't <laughs> expect him to get any sort of big workload there right now. I mean, they are very content with that one two punch in Isaiah Pacheco and Jarek McKinnon. Jarek McKinnon, unfortunately, is getting all of the high value touches. He's getting more goal line work and he's getting just about all the pass catching work. And, and he's running going. directly into his offensive lineman's asses. Like, it's just great. <laughs> but for whatever reason, Andy Reid just keeps feeding him. And when you look at these backups, I think that Ronald Jones with his stone hands is such a good fit to just take over that Isaiah Pacheco role. I don't know where Melvin Gordon really fits in. I mean, I don't think that he's built to be that pass catching guy if something happens to McKinnon. And I think that Ronald Jones is better as a pure runner. So if something happens to Pacheco, I expect Ronald Jones to take over that position. So I don't really know what Melvin Gordon is here besides a super deep piece that the Chiefs added. Uh, you know, in, in, in hopes for another deep playoff run. We just crushed that segment. All right. So the next group that we're going to take a look at here are the pass catchers. And these are some players that have made, I want to say a name for themselves recently, but they've been performing really well recently. And it's Corey Davis of the jets, Nico Collins and the Texans, Alec Pierce and the Colts, who just had a great game. And then Greg Dulcich, who led all Broncos receivers, so to speak, for his team this last week. So uh, Corey Davis, Nico Collins, Alec Pierce, Greg Dulcich. What order are you putting these guys in, Dave? For me, I'm really not trying to hold on to my offseason takes too strongly here, but I just love Nico Collins. I mean, this guy is just 
built to be a wide receiver one. And Brandon Cooks has been that guy for a few years now, but he has expressed a lot of disinterest with the team. He's not getting his normal snap counts. He's been, you know, surprise scratches from games here. And it looks like Nico Collins is starting to take it over. And obviously there's some concerns with what type of offense Kyle Allen can run. But I think he had the same concerns with Davis Mills and Nico Collins was doing just fine. So the only reason I prefer Nico Collins out of this bunch is because he looks to be the team's wide receiver one, which I don't know if you can say about the other guys here. Greg Dulcich has been incredible. And, uh, you know, he's had a couple fluky plays that have kind of hurt his fantasy production. He had a touchdown that was called back on a penalty just last week that would have saved him, uh, you know, from having a really nice fantasy performance. But then two huge catches last week, and he looks good. And now with Cortland Sutton set to miss some time, we can see Dulcich really carve out a role as the number two guy behind Jerry Judy there. After that, it's Corey Davis. And the only reason I don't have Corey Davis higher is because of Garrett Wilson. This guy is a bona fide target hog. There are not going to be a lot of leftovers left on the plate after he gets his fill. And then for me, Alec Pierce falls in at last. And that's no disrespect to Alec Pierce, but this is a run first team where Michael Pittman is the wide receiver one. He's going to have some boom weeks here, but I don't know if you're ever really going to feel comfortable putting Alec Pierce into your lineup. Yeah, I'm with you. We have we have a similar grouping, at least. So we both have Alec Pierce last there, uh, but I, we we switch a little bit. OK, you've got Dulcich second. I've got him first. And I think so much of that is just because of the positional scarcity. You and I were talking before the show about how annoying the tight end position is and how we've tried to replace, you know, injured tight ends on our roster. And it just it just never seems to work out. And I'm, I'm willing to take that shot here because I think this is the guy that's going to help your team the most over a Corey Davis or a Nico Collins for uh, as much value as they might bring. So I've got Greg Dulcich first, especially because of that Cortland Sutton injury. Uh, then I got Corey Davis second. And I think that so much of that is just going to be if Mike White's throwing the ball 50 plus times a game or even near that stratosphere. Yeah, we saw Corey Davis get 10 targets last game and uh, he's got that role on the outside. And I think that that's going to continue to keep going for him. I don't think that Elijah Moore is taking away a bunch of the targets there. Garrett Wilson is, as you said, a bona fide superstar. But if I can have the next guy in line on that offense, I'll take it. And then Nico Collins, I'm with you that I love Nico Collins. Like I love him as a player. I love him as a prospect for me. What just bothers me so much is the surroundings there. And if they're going to keep trotting out Kyle Allen and that offense is going to keep getting down bad. I mean, I know that Nico Collins has produced, but there's been times where he's getting saved by that touchdown on like a three reception, one touchdown mm -hmm. game for 45 yards, you know, and it, it, without those touchdowns, it's not, it's not happening for him. And so with the team, it's this bad. I just, I can't get that excited about Nico Collins. So I'm going to go Dulcich, Corey Davis, Nico Collins, Alec Pierce. So there we go. A lot of Alec Pierce talk from us here. That's the guy I think we're both uh, we're both out on. I think we'd rather not take the chance on him. And what are the Texans doing starting Kyle Allen here? I mean, the season's lost. Why not? He's not better. Like he's, he's not better. They're actively tanking. Yeah, I mean, they're both terrible. Why not at least see what Davis Mills can do over the course of a full season? I don't know. It's a, it's a bit of a head-scratcher for me. Uh, but Houston, congrats on the number one overall pick because I think you already locked it up. All right, if you're watching on YouTube, I want to remind you really quick to like this video, make sure you're subscribed to the channel, and then drop your waiver wire questions in the comments below. And I'm going to do my best to make sure I can personally get back to each and every one of those before waivers clear later on this week. Dave, let's get into the deep dive. All right, so we're looking at the first player that we did a deep dive on. And this is a guy that you're, you're standing by heavily, and it's A.J. Dillon running back for the Green Bay Packers. And I know what a lot of people are thinking He's, he's not on my waiver, bro. Well, he's available in certain leagues, and it, and it has happened where players are getting dropped, whether it's because of bye weeks or just because fantasy managers got frustrated. So talk to us about A.J. Dillon and why he is one of your top waiver wire ads for this week and for the rest of the season. 
And you already alluded to it. The Packers are coming up on their bye week, so don't be surprised if A.J. Dillon gets dropped. Be sure to watch those waiver wires like a hawk. Now, A.J. Dillon is a guy coming into the league who drew a lot of comparisons to Derrick Henry, and obviously he is nowhere near the player that Derrick Henry is, but they do have one thing that is kind of similar. They both get better as the season goes on. I was looking at these splits this morning in uh, weeks one through nine. A.J. Dillon averages 45 scrimmage yards per game and scores a touchdown in less than one in 10 games, averaging just 6.3 PPR points per game. Now, from weeks 10 through 18, he sees that jump to 68 yards per game. He averages 0.64 touchdowns, meaning he's scoring in over half of his games and 12.5 PPR points. Now, we're looking at Aaron Jones, who's dealing with an injury, and that opened up some extra opportunity for A.J. Dillon last week, but he looked really good with that opportunity. He was just ripping the Bears apart. And now I realize the Bears aren't a great defense, but we have seen this now for three straight years, where as the weather gets colder, they start to lean on their big guy a little bit in A.J. Dillon. We know of what type of player he is, you know, 98th percentile in speed and burst, and he is just huge. He's tied with Derrick Henry as the heaviest back in the NFL. He is a bruiser. You see it take multiple guys to pull him down seemingly every single time he touches the ball. And now, like I said at the beginning, with this week 14 bye, he could be dropped by a lot of fantasy managers who are looking to navigate around that. He's had less than desirable fantasy production so far. So if he gets dropped, he's a guy that I'm willing to put as much as 20% of my fab down for one, the handcuff and contingency upside, and two, the possibility that he just gets more work down the stretch as the weather gets colder. He should be playable in championship week, week 17, even if Aaron Jones is healthy. They're going up against Minnesota, which is the sixth best matchup for running backs. So even if they're looking at a 60-40 type of split where A.J. Dillon is getting the lesser workload, in this game, they should plan to commit to the run a lot. So if you can pick A.J. Dillon up right now, you're hoping for the contingency upside. And even if that doesn't hit and Aaron Jones remains healthy, you still might be able to count on A.J. Dillon as a flex in week 17. Yeah, Dave, and I think that we're in a really interesting spot here with the Packers where we may see that they may start to really change the way the roster that they're trotting out there, especially with Aaron Rodgers injury, now Aaron Jones injury. And if they just keep losing games, we could just see a team that's, you know, all Jordan Love, Christian Watson, a bunch of young guys, A.J. Dillon. This could be a very different looking Green Bay Packers team throughout the rest of the season here. All right, Alfredo, let's talk about your guy, Cam Akers, that you think is a good stash for the rest of the season. Yeah, I think that this is it, this is another player that I think so many fantasy managers we got frustrated with throughout the season. Uh, it's something that Dr. Vig and I have talked about all offseason, all throughout the season, is to just be wary of these players coming off of the Achilles injury. Cam Akers, James Robinson, and you know, there's a lot of the James Robinson victory lap after you know the first couple of weeks. And you know, we've seen the, the trajectory of his year so far and, and cam Akers is just very up and down and now it's it looks like it's finally trending upward and i don't know how much of that is is the health or how much of that is the usage or just the, the rams and what they're doing in their game plans but it looks like the rams are finally settling into their running back situation it seems as if cam Akers has the early down and goal line work while kyron williams is settling into that passing down in two minute drill uh type of role which i think a lot of people just envision that for him anyways but Akers this last week, he saw his highest snap percentage of the year at 73%. And it's also his first time over 50% on the snap share all season long. So not only did he just get his highest of the year, but he got his highest of the year by a long shot. He also got his most carries in the season at 17, 85% of the running back carries. So this is a guy that 
it may not be pretty, but it looks like he's kind of taken over this backfield and uh, he's been looking better lately, averaging four yards per carry over the last three games. And I know that that's not, you know, a world beating number there, four yards per carry, but it's so much better than how he started the season. The release of Daryl Henderson really showed a confidence in Cam Akers, or at least a confidence that they knew what they wanted to do. They wanted to have Cam Akers out on the field. They wanted to have Kyron Williams out on the field. And the opportunity is just there for him. We saw Cam Akers take advantage of that this last week. Uh, two touchdowns. Obviously, you don't want to chase touchdowns because they're fluky, but the usage is what we're taking a look at. And the usage numbers were there. All those peripherals that you want. And the Rams have the fourth easiest remaining strength of schedule for fantasy running backs going forward. Week 14 in the Bimageddon or Bipocalypse or whatever you want to call it, right? He's going up against the Las Vegas Raiders, who are giving up the seventh most points to running backs. Then week 15, he goes up against Green Bay Packers, giving up the sixth most. Week 16, he's got the Denver Broncos, who they've been good, but they've actually allowed a 100-yard rusher in two of their last three games, so maybe not as good as we thought. And then week 17, championship week, Cam Akers goes up against the Los Angeles Chargers, who are giving up the second most points to fantasy running backs. This is a guy that I know that we were all out on, but I think that everyone is going to be just scrounging their waiver wire, trying to put as many of their fab dollars or their waiver priority on this player this week. I think that Cam Akers is going to be the top waiver wire ad this week, and I think it's going to be for good reason, Dave. Yeah, and I love that call out with Denver because if you look at their overall season long numbers, you might think that's a really tough matchup for running backs. But over the last few weeks, teams have just decided we are not going to be able to throw against the secondary. So we are going to run it down their throats. So I'm with you. If you look at that number, it could be a little bit deceiving, but I love that matchup against Denver. All right, Dave, we are giving the people what they want. The fantasy world just loves running backs. And well, that's what we're going to talk about. Another running back here on my beloved Miami Dolphins. And you are talking about Raheem Mostert. Yeah. Now make no doubt about this. I still believe that Jeff Wilson is the guy. I was just on your show. I forget if it was last week or two weeks ago, but I was touting Jeff Wilson Jr. as a trade target. I still think that he is the guy, but sometimes I'm wrong. You're and a players sometimes get injured. So I think that there are multiple reasons to go out and try to look at Raheem Mostert. Now, last week in week 13 against both of their former teams with that revenge game narrative against San Francisco, Wilson was outstapped by Raheem Mostert for the first time since that trade happened. And we know that Raheem Mostert was pretty darn good when he had the lead job. He had those first couple weeks that I'm willing to just throw out of this sample completely because they thought that Chase Edmonds was going to be the guy. But from weeks four through nine, that's when the team realized Chase Edmonds wasn't the guy and they had not yet traded for Jeff Wilson Jr. From weeks four to nine, he was the uh, RB18, so more than startable. So if something were to happen to Jeff Wilson Jr., we now have Chase Edmonds out of the mix. We can look at even better numbers than Raheem Mostert had put up through that stretch as the starter. That would make him a plug-and-play running back, too, in the event of an injury to Jeff Wilson Jr. And what we're looking at is just the lead back, potential lead back, on one of the best offenses in the NFL. For the same reason that I love Jeff Wilson Jr., I love Raheem Mostert. He's got familiarity with the offense. He has been successful in this wide zone run scheme in the past. And Jeff Wilson Jr. has missed an average of seven games per season since he came into the league. Now, he's healthy right now, and I think that when Jeff Wilson Jr. is healthy, you can't really rely on Raheem Mostert in your lineup, unfortunately. 
But looking at that upside play, if something were to happen, we talked about the handcuffs earlier. I have Raheem Mostert ahead of Madison and all of the other guys that we were discussing. And next week, in week 14, they're playing against the Chargers, which is a great matchup for running backs, the fifth best among any team. And then week 16, they get the Packers, which are another favorable matchup. So we're looking at two possibilities here where he can be set up for huge boom games. Like I said, not crazy about plugging him in if Jeff Wilson Jr. is healthy, but he should be a must-add if he's on your waiver wire right now. All right, Alfredo, let's hear about your next guy. James Cook got off to a slow start this season, but it seems like things might be heating up. Yeah, Thursday was really the coming out party for James Cook, and it was it was just really cool to watch, okay? It, it was it was a lot of us just watching this, caterp- this caterpillar become a butterfly. Like, right. It, it's almost like watching the entire span of a career in just one game where he had career highs in snaps, targets, carries. James Cook was the, the weapon that they were using. And what I liked most about this was that it wasn't something where it was, okay, let's, let's get him in there at the end of the game, or we specifically need him on passing downs or the game is out of reach or something like that. This was a usage that we were seeing early in the game. And, I think that that says a lot more than I think a lot of people even realize the fact that they were able to use James Cook this early in the game. That was part of their game plan. They went through the week practicing that it just it shows how much trust they have in James Cook and and for good reason. He's actually been a better running back rushing, receiving and pass blocking than Devin Singletary uh, all year, uh, according to pro football focus. He's got a better PFF grade than Devin Singletary in all three of those categories and you look at what's coming up for the Bills, the Bills actually have the fifth hardest remaining strength of schedule, fantasy running backs. And so I get how maybe you're thinking, well, that doesn't really help James Cook, but it does because for him and the role that he has in this team, he's the pass catching guy. He's not the only one, obviously, but that is primarily what his role was coming out of college. And I know they went and uh, they got Naeem Hines and Devin Singletary's, you know, not a bad pass catcher either, but really James Cook is the guy that they're trying to lean on a little bit more as this season goes on, they want to see what they have for next year. They want to keep Josh Allen healthy. So they've been utilizing James Cook in a lot of creative ways. And you go and you look at who they have coming up. The New York Jets, Miami Dolphins, Chicago Bears, Cincinnati Bengals. Now, New York, Miami, and Cincinnati are all top 12 in pass play percentage. So you're expecting fast-paced passing games there. Cook being that passing down guy. All those teams are collectively allowing an average of six or more targets per game to the running back position and four and a half receptions or more per game. So I think that you start to get a lot of that production, that passing and receiving production baked into what James Cook is going to bring you as the season goes on. And uh, Dave, you're going to hear me say this later, but Good teams, elite teams, teams that are vying for the, the top spot in their division and trying to get that home field advantage. They're going to start to use players in ways that we haven't seen all season. They are trying to open up that playbook a little bit more. And so James Cook, I think, could be one of those guys that could help a lot of fantasy managers despite that tough strength of schedule remaining. And I'll just go off on a little bit of a tangent here about game theory. If you're playing in redraft, Do not drop your rookies when they get off to a slow start. We all know the horror stories from 2020 where people dropped Justin Jefferson and then he went on to be a league winner this year. I can't tell you how many leagues I was able to pick up Garrett Wilson and, um, you know, uh, Christian Watson and James Cook, who we're talking about right now, and Rashad White. Sometimes these guys just take a little bit of time to warm up. So if you're going to draft a rookie in redraft, you got to be a little bit patient. Or if you're not going to draft a rookie, watch those waiver wires really closely because you can get these guys for free a lot of the times. 
All right, Dave. So you, we were just talking about rookie running backs. You've got another rookie running back. And the theme of this episode has been handcuffing your good players and the ambiguous backfields. And we saw the Arizona Cardinals backfield kind of shift after they waived Eno Benjamin. So Keontae Ingram is a name that you want to bring up that you feel that fantasy managers should be taking a look at. Yeah, and you probably notice a theme about the guys I'm talking about right now. We're looking at playoff stashes. So you are looking for guys with pure contingent upside. That wide receiver that's getting eight, nine points per week probably isn't going to help you too much throughout the playoffs, but you want to stash these guys that have the huge upside. That's exactly what Keontae Ingram has. You might not even know the name. I mean, he was a six-round rookie, hasn't drawn a lot of buzz so far, but this probably comes as no surprise to anybody. James Conner has never played a full season. He has missed games every single year he has been in the league. And now Keontae Ingram is the only guy that's really backing up James Conner. You know, they got rid of Eno Benjamin. Right now, Daryl Williams is on IR. So that means it is Keontae Ingram and Corey Clement behind him. Um, now, Keontae Ingram, he's not exceptionally athletic, but he is big and he is a very hard runner. Kind of reminds me of Deonta Foreman with a little bit less juice. You know, he's just seeking out contact and he wants to run through people. Like I mentioned, he was a six round rookie. He's only 23 years old. I mentioned that big size. He's six foot, 220 pounds and runs a four five. So he's kind of got the makings to be an every down back if it gets to that uh, point where James Conner has to miss any time. The Cardinals offense has struggled. You know, they have not been this air raid passing attack that we really expected, but they are leading the league with 68.9 offensive plays per game. And 17 of those opportunities per game have gone James Conner's way. So if he has to miss any time, you know that the majority of that work is going right to Keontae Ingram, looking at somewhere between 15 to 20 touches a game on a pretty high powered offense. Um, you know, if James Conner is healthy, again, like I was saying with Raheem Mostert, some of these other guys that we've talked about, you're not even thinking about starting him. But that contingent upside is so big that Keontae Ingram is one of my favorite handcuffs just because of the offense that he's on. And if you've already locked up your playoff spot and you can afford the extra room on your bench, go ahead and pick up Keontae Ingram. Now, Alfredo, I just said that you don't want that guy that's just getting you a couple points per week at the wide receiver position, but Traylon Burks is going to get you more than a couple points per week. This guy's got a massive season, and why don't you go ahead and tell me why? Yeah, so you know what's funny is that like I really wasn't as high on Traylon Burks going into this season as many others were. I remember there was times where people had him as their wide receiver one, their, their player number one overall from this rookie class, and that kind of died out as his draft stock died out. But you know, we saw what what made him struggle getting into the league, right? Which was learning the playbook, being able to do have a little bit more of a diverse route tree. And the Titans at this point have basically said, listen, we don't need your route tree to be diverse. We don't need you to learn. We don't need you to do a whole bunch of extravagant things. We'll have, we'll just send you out there. You can go run three routes and just be really good at those because you're big, you're fast, and that's what's going to work. And that's what has been working for Traylon Burks as of late. He's been actually producing and performing pretty well over these last three weeks. Now it sucks just for fantasy managers. He suffered a concussion here in week 13. Um, it's awful for Traylon Burks, awful for the Titans. And um, I feel like we are just seeing so many more of these uh, he head injuries and concussions than ever before. Maybe there's just more attention on it, but I feel like we're seeing it a lot more, man. Those hits are just going after wide receivers. And so I, I think that from what we've seen recently is he will likely be out for week 14 against the Jags. I, we can't speak on it. We don't know how the concussion protocol is going to go, but I think more likely than not, he will be out week 14 and then probably returning week 15. Now, I'm not saying that Traylon Burks is this slam dunk kind of a guy by any means. The schedule isn't overly great either you've uh, after that you've got uh the los angeles chargers houston texans dallas cowboys and you know 
that's not exactly a really easy schedule going forward. Dallas Cowboys have been really good and Houston Texans have been, uh, I think a lot of it's just great game script, but they, they haven't been great for opposing wide receivers and quarterbacks. But you, know, you look at maybe one of the matchups where Los Angeles Chargers, the team where they could lean on Derrick Henry versus a bad Chargers run D, but the Titans secondary is also really awful. And I think that's what kind of gives you that glimmer of hope for Traylon Burks is this Titans secondary is so bad that other teams can score on them. And we just talked about this teams competing for a playoff spot or competing for better seating are going to start to do things they have not done. And so I think as long as Traylon Burks is healthy, the Titans are going to continue to utilize him more and more and more. And we could see some of these game scripts really flip in favor of Traylon Burks. And he's become the primary target there for the Tennessee Titans. The team really is only getting positive passing plays on these crossing routes or deep shots to Burks. And that's just what's been working. The route participation is really high for him. That means that when he's on the field, he's running a route. He's not typically blocking. They're not using him as a decoy. Uh, he's getting targeted as well. His average yards per route run continues to go up, meaning his probability of big plays goes up. So, uh, listen, there's I think there's a lot to take in here with, with Traylon Burks. I don't think that he is a an automatic start because you have him on your roster. I think that as fantasy managers, we need to understand what he is. He's a high upside guy that probably doesn't give you the safest of floors. But Dave, you you said this right from the jump. He is a guy that has a really high potential ceiling. He's a threat to score a touchdown every single week, whether it's a receiving touchdown or he's just recovering a fumble. Uh, this guy is a threat to score a touchdown at all times and to do it on like these crazy long plays where he'll take a slant to the house or, uh, you know, he's wide open downfield and one-on-one -on -one coverage. And, at, you know, his gigantic size in comparison to these, these defensive backs, he just, he kind of makes these jump balls look easy. So um, I don't know that he is an automatic start, but I definitely believe that Traylon Burks is a very necessary player to roster. He gives you kind of that decent wide receiver three, maybe flex upside when he returns to the field. Yeah, and looking at all the buys this week and him probably not being able to play for week 14, that's another guy you want to watch your waiver wire because a lot of managers might be dropping him where they have to get through these bye weeks. The last thing I'll say too, not every single team has the same explosive offense that the Philadelphia Eagles do, but they kind of showed the blueprint for beating the Titans uh, last week. You know, this is a very strong team in the trenches and their weakness is in their secondary. So if teams are going to try beating the Titans by airing it out against them, that could lead to plenty of shootouts in their future, which would obviously benefit Traylon Burks. All right, we're finally talking more about these wide receiver here. And uh, Dave, you're talking about a man with three names and uh, a lot of potential. Donovan, Peoples, Jones. Talk to me about why you like DPJ so much. Well, I mean, there's nothing that I haven't already said about this guy that you probably haven't already heard. I've been pumping this guy up since he came into the league. I just love everything about Donovan Peoples, Jones. He's six foot two, fast as can be. His First score is in the 100th percentile. I mean, this guy could jump out of a stadium if he wanted to. He's big. He's tall. He's fast. He ran a sub 4.5 at the 40. And it looks like he's just starting to carve out a bigger and bigger role for himself every single week. Now, this is kind of crazy. I looked this up this morning and I almost had to double check my eyes. There have been five players who have logged seven straight games with 50 or more, recept 50 or more receiving yards in a row. And that was Stefan Diggs, makes sense. CeeDee Lamb, makes sense. Travis Kelsey, Chris Olave, of course. And Donovan Peoples-Jones. Yep. It is unbelievable how steady this guy has been. And a lot of people just aren't really taking notice of it yet. 
you know, I've talked about it before. He should have been higher than a six round pick, but he slipped in the draft due to his lack of refinement, kind of similar to Traylon Burks. You know, he's got the speed, he's got the athleticism, but just wasn't really that refined coming into the league. But boy, did he show off that burst in speed yesterday. If you watch that game, he had this 76 yard punt return where it looked like he was going down on first impact, but he was able to maintain his balance and then torch through the entire special teams on his way to a 76 yard punt return. Only the second one we've seen this entire season. And yesterday, with Deshaun Watson under center, we saw the lowest target total since week three in Deshaun Watson's first game back. So, one, I expect that to improve down the stretch as Deshaun Watson just looked terrible, and I think that that was just kind of him shaking the rust off. But two, that can open up an opportunity to pick him up on the waiver wire if people go ahead and drop him. So I think that his biggest strength, which is his long speed, paired up with Deshaun Watson's ability to throw this deep ball, could set him up for a Will Fuller type of role down the stretch here where he could have a massive weekly ceiling we remember what Will Fuller used to do in Houston. I could see Donovan Peoples-Jones kind of playing that same role here. Now, from weeks 4 through 12, he averaged 6.3 targets and 65.4 yards per game. So this isn't a fluky guy that's just had a few big games. He's been consistently doing it over the course of this season. Um, with matchups against Cincinnati, Baltimore, and Washington down the stretch, he's got a ton of favorable matchups. And the one matchup that is deemed unfavorable throughout the rest of the season is is against New Orleans, who technically gives up fewer points than average two fantasy wide receivers. But what they're going to do is have Marshawn Lattimore lock down Amari Cooper, which should open up even more opportunities for Donovan Peoples-Jones. So if you're able to pick him up and you're hurting at wide receiver a little bit, you can plug Donovan Peoples-Jones in your lineup and ride him all the way through week 17. Let's stick with the wide receiver theme. Why don't you talk to me a little bit about Michael Gallup? So this one, I'm going to make it really simple. Like this isn't a big, long thing. There's not like a whole, like tons of data supporting it, but it's just Michael Gallup. He is warming up. It's like if he's playing beer pong, he's heating up, right? He's had two big games in a row here. Okay. He tied last week, uh, this past week, excuse me, for a team lead in targets with seven. He also had two touchdowns. Now we're not expecting massive touchdown games like that every week, but you know, their opponent was the Indianapolis Colts who have been, I believe, number one against fantasy wide receivers. So yeah, the, the fact that Michael Gallup was able to produce here and CeeDee Lamb still got his and, and this whole Dallas offense still looks really good. Uh, what I love here is that it's Dak Prescott. Dak Prescott has kind of been this uh, skeleton key that that is, I mean, that's what a quarterback's supposed to do, right? It's unlock a whole offense and make everyone really good around him, but he's heating up at the right time and this Cowboys offense is heating up at the right time. Uh, they're catching fire here as they're getting closer and closer to the playoffs and Dak has had 12 touchdowns in his last five starts. He's usually getting two to three touchdowns a game here. And Michael Gallup over these last two weeks has been targeted 15 times. So if you're looking at a player with Michael Gallup's talent level on that offense, that is always in position to score. Who's going to be looking at anywhere from six to eight, maybe even nine targets on a high volume game. Yeah. I want a piece of Michael Gallup on my roster. The target tree there in Dallas is very, very narrow. It's CD lamb, Michael Gallup, Dalton Schultz. Now I understand they might add Odell Beckham Jr. If that happens, we cross that bridge when we get there, but I don't know how much of an impact he'll make. I don't know how even plausible it is anymore at this point. Um, especially with everything that's been going on with, with Odell, um, you know, the Cowboys, they do have some pretty solid games coming up, especially when you look towards championship week. So week 15, they've got a game against Jacksonville where I would absolutely plug Michael Gallup into my starting lineup there as a wide receiver, depending on how weak you are at the position, wide receiver two or three. And then week 17, championship week going up against Tennessee. 
Michael Gallup has to be in your fantasy lineups, has to be in all lineups, and that Dallas passing game should go off that week. So, yeah, I love Michael Gallup as a guy that should not only be valuable for you now, but throughout the rest of the playoffs. Yeah, Michael Gallup is such an underrated talent. I mean, he would be the wide receiver one on plenty of teams, but he's been stuck playing with Amari Cooper and now CeeDee Lamb, and that's kind of impacted his target total a little, but I am with you. And for people that were freaking out about Michael Gallup's start early in the season, let's not forget that this guy had a late-season ACL tear, so it might have just taken him a little while to get up to speed, but after last week's game, it sure looks like he's up to speed now. Dave, what I want to do here is before we, we move on to our final guys here, uh, we usually get a lot of these questions in the comments, and I, and I want to answer these questions here on the show. So if we're looking at these three wide receivers that we just talked about, Michael Gallup, Donovan Peoples-Jones, Traylon Burks, right? We did this earlier in the show. I'm putting you on the spot because it's not in the show sheet, but I'm putting you on the spot, and uh, you're a big boy. You can handle it. So between Gallup, Peoples-Jones, and Burks, who is the guy that you really want to take priority with? I think Burks, um, out of those three guys, I think he's the only one that has a path to being the wide receiver one on his team. We also see rookies consistently be that late season hammer that can help you win a fantasy championship. We saw it last year with Amon St. Brown. We saw it the year before with uh, with Brandon Ayuk. And, you know, it just kind of fits the mold that you've got this hyper-athletic guy who is playing in his rookie year that can get hot down the stretch. So Traylon Burks would be my guy there. And then we're kind of looking between Donovan Peoples-Jones and Michael Gallup. And I think it depends what you're looking for. If you're looking for a little bit more of consistency, a guy that you can feel more comfortable plugging in your lineup, that's Donovan Peoples-Jones. But if you're looking for that league-winning upside, a guy that can step up and just put up huge points on a week-in, week-out basis, I think that's Michael Gallup. So in the way we covered them that's actually how i prefer them Traylon burks donovan peoples jones and michael gallup but michael gallup is ever so closely behind dpj for me yeah for me I'm, i think i'm gonna flip that around a little bit i'll still go Traylon burks one but i'm gonna go michael gallup two and for me it's actually gallup is closer to burks than i believe the other way around donovan peoples jones i think he's got that nice upside but i think for me it's I, it, it's so hard to get donovan peoples jones out of that moniker of like he's the good dfs guy and he's the good best ball guy and it's just i don't know that i'm ever going to look at my lineup and be like i gotta throw donovan peoples jones into this right like i'll be happy that i have him on my roster and that my opponent doesn't have him but i don't know that especially if we can't see deshaun watson improve i'm just i think as, as a manager i think it might just be my own personal tendency that i'd be too nervous to put him into one of my lineups so yeah i think i'm gonna go burks the same number one as you then gallup and then donovan peoples jones all right dave this is the one quarterback that we're actually talking about in our deep dive here and you've got a guy that's not even the starter at the moment for his team talk to us about why you believe jordan love needs to be rostered this week for the playoffs well, we saw it last week. I don't know if you heard the uh, Alan Lazard sound clip from last week, but he said, of course, Aaron Rodgers is playing in week 13. He needs to renew his ownership over the Bears twice a year. And well, it's <laughs> exactly what he did yesterday. He re renewed his ownership over the Bears in week 13. So now we're looking at a team that is five and eight coming out of the bye. Uh, Minnesota has basically already locked up the NFC North, and I don't think the Packers have a realistic shot at the wild card. So this is the time of year where we're trying to kind of read tea leaves a little bit. I don't have any insider information telling me that Aaron Rodgers is going to get benched. This is a 5-8 and eight team, and if they lose another game coming out of the bye, they might shut Rodgers down. Shoot, we might even get word during their bye that they're going to shut Aaron Rodgers down. And when you're looking at that uh, uh, schedule from week 17, week 15 to week 17, They've got the Rams, they've got the Dolphins, and they have the Vikings, which are all very favorable matchups 
four quarterbacks. But I think the thing that entices me most about Jordan Love is just the upside. We don't know what that upside could be. And we know that Jordan Love is a very good athlete. 87th percentile burst score, 75th percentile speed. He's got long legs. I mean, he looks like a gazelle once he gets up to that top speed. So we've also got, you know, some guys that are kind of stepping up right now in this Packers offense. Christian Watson specifically with his ability to house oh any gosh. ball. And yeah, I mean, oh. that makes it a lot easier for Christian Watson or, or a lot easier for Jordan Love to succeed when he's got a guy like Christian Watson that can score from anywhere. So, you know, we've got one year left on Jordan Love's rookie contract before they have to make a decision, whether they want to pick up his fifth year option or not, which is going to be a pretty pricey choice to make. And right now they don't really have a strong sample of games where they can analyze Jordan Love going into next year. They still have Aaron Rodgers under contract. So they're going to want to pay him play him since they're paying him nearly 50 million dollars so this might be the only opportunity where they can kind of plug jordan love in watch him play for a few games and make the decision next year or after next year what they're going to do with his contract like i said though he's just got this unknown upside that is kind of alluring he's a former first round pick we don't really know what he can do but if aaron Rodgers does get shut down jordan love might be a guy that is going to be playable in q in in single qb fantasy leagues yeah, I really like what you said there about them having the bye week. And, and you know, we talked about this earlier, that the Packers could be one of those teams that just brings out a whole different offense after the bye week. And Aaron Rodgers has said that he is not opposed to being shut down for the season, especially if they are mathematically eliminated, wanting to preserve his body. And it, it's also like, isn't it bad business for the Packers to not play Jordan Love at this point? Even if it's just to, to have him as a trade, you know, a, a trade candidate, whatever, but they got to know what they have in each of these guys. They have to be able to, to play them, uh, keep Aaron Rodgers healthy. So if you need to trade him, you can, or get Jordan love on some film, because if you want to be able to trade him, teams need to know what they're buying. So I think that it just makes sense. So much sense, especially if they're mathematically eliminated from the playoffs is get Jordan love out there. And Dave, Oh my God, when you listed those opponents that he has week 15 through 17, that got me so excited for Christian Watson as a dynasty manager with Christian Watson, my heart is just fluttering right now. I am so excited for that. Now, Alfredo, we've talked about quite a few players that you should pick up and stash through the playoffs, but you're going with Chiefs defense and special team. Let's hear about it. Yeah, well, so this is, I mean, we talked about how this is the time of year that you you want to like stack up all your handcuffs and make sure you got that. I am the guy in the fantasy league that hoards all the defenses where it's like, that's why that rule was put in place where you can only have so many defenses on your roster. I'm the reason. Okay. And I do this that whenever I make a league, like I want to make sure that the, I know what the, the max limit is on DSTs because I typically roster about three or more. If I can, I want to take all of the best defenses. And I start doing that back in like week 13, like two weeks before the playoffs, because a lot of people aren't thinking about that depending on what my, my roster looks like. But the chiefs are one of those teams that you look at what they're doing right now. And it honestly, it might be too late because of who they're playing this week. So the chiefs have the easiest remaining strength of schedule. They've got the Broncos this week, the Broncos, the Denver Broncos. That's so many of us thought, Oh, they're going to be great. Wrong. They've got the Denver Broncos in week 14 and in championship week, week 17 Broncos are allowing the sixth most points to, to opposing DSTs. 
Then they've got the Texans in week 15. I don't even think I have to give you analysis. We just all know that the Texans are giving up the most points to opposing uh, defenses. What, what, did, what did Cleveland's defense do yesterday by chance? Oh, Jeff, my gosh. And, and I feel like such an idiot, too, because all week I was looking at it and Cleveland's defense was available for me to pick up. And I was like, no, you know what? I'm going to roll with the Seahawks defense. I'm, I'm pretty confident about that. I think a lot of people did that wrong again so <laughs> it was it was really heartbreaking but uh yeah texans i mean we've seen just how awful they are and how good they are for uh, opposing dsts and then they get the seahawks in week 16 and i know what a lot of people are thinking geno smith dk metcalf tyler lockett that offense is pretty good like you know what are you doing there actually no as of late defenses have been averaging seven and a half fantasy points against the Seahawks over the last four games. So if I told you on any given week that you could have a defense that would guarantee you seven and a half fantasy points for the most part, you're going to take that. Especially if I tell you that they're going to have the Broncos twice throughout your playoff run, they're going to have the Texans, the worst offense in the league. Dave, we, we talked about this. I think I've said it like three times now. Okay. These elite level teams are playing for playoff seating. Okay, they are playing for not just the pride and respect and all that, but they are playing to get that home field advantage. They have a little extra fire. And this is that time of year where teams like the Chiefs and the Bills and all these really good teams out there, you start to see that some of their players who have maybe been a little bit quieter throughout the season really start to make those plays. And I, I think back to like Honey Badger for uh, Tyron Matthew for the Chiefs the year that they went to the Super Bowl and how all of a sudden that Chiefs defense starts to just make plays left and right. And I would not be surprised to see that here and see the Chiefs, the Cowboys, you know, the Bills, like all these different teams that are starting to catch fire now and heat up look really, really good as we get closer to the NFL playoffs. Yep. You are, uh, you know, you're speaking my language here, Alfredo. I tweeted about it last week that if they were available, you could pick them up because they truly are a set and forget defense for the rest of the season. You can plug those guys in next week against Denver and not have to touch your defense and special teams until you win that championship at the end of the year. Well, that's it for us, guys. We we gave you so many players that we talked about. 22 different waiver wire ads that you can make this week. Thank you so much to Dave Kluge. We will see you guys back again next week after we gave you the supersized episode this week. Enjoy it. Best of luck to all of you in week 14. Adios.